Oh, it's been good to be in worship this morning. I love what worship does to me. As I look to God, the one who is faithful and true, the one who is kind and just, his love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and his self-control, all of those wonderful qualities, they call that out of me as I give him my attention. Because I'm mixed. I've got some good stuff and I've got a whole lot of bad stuff in me. But when I worship, the experience of worship and looking to him, it draws up all the good stuff. I need that regularly. It aligns me. It gets me on a good path. It puts me back in good shape. I hope you're experiencing that this morning. We're gathered here in the name of Jesus because he's the key to everything. If we look to him, we won't go too far wrong. He's, he's the one who will guide us. I hope you'll forgive my accent. Um, I can't do much about it. <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, but as strange as that might be... Um, what we have in common is that um, we've put Jesus at the centre of our lives. We're following him, figuring out what that means, what that looks like. And I want to speak to you this morning uh, about a theme that is uh, at the core of your church and the core of my heart too. It's the idea of welcome. And uh, let me read to you from Romans 15, 1-7, which uh, sort of sets us up into this uh, theme of welcome. Romans 15, uh, starting from verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let, let each of us please his neighbour for his good and build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, I've checked out your website. I don't know whether you're aware of this. Your website's pretty good as a church. I liked it. And, and I... Um, that wasn't good. <laughs> Forgive the sound, man. It was just a little moment there. Uh, I, I'm looking on the website to find out what makes this church tick. You know, what are they all about? And there's a little document there that talks about covenant values. Did you know there was covenant values? In this church? Number one, covenant value. Welcome. It says, um, let me see if I can, uh, is there a PowerPoint that we can shove up? Uh, and I can click this, can I? Does that work? Aha, there we go. Number welcome. It says, um, we embrace the challenge of becoming a church family where people of all walks of life will come to feel at home, a community where each of us, singly and together, makes space in our lives for others. Jesus called to and welcomed each one of us to follow him, and so we seek to extend that welcome to anyone and everyone. That's really good. 
Do you feel good that that's your number one covenant value as a church? Sits well with you? Yeah. It's such a great foundation. If you are to be the people of God, you have to learn to love what he loves. And above all, God loves people that he created in his own image. And Jesus paints a picture of that. There's a story that he told about uh, a father who had two sons. And one of these sons, he was a bad egg. You know, he, he demanded that he get his inheritance early and he, he took all that wealth from his father and he went off into another country and just completely squandered that. Uh, he was uh, very dishonouring of his father. Uh, and finally, he comes to his senses and he thinks... I need to go back home because even my father's servants have it better than I've got because I've, I've come to ruin. So he, uh, he goes back home and it says in, uh, in Luke 15, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. That, Jesus says, that's what God's like. He welcomes us home when we come back to him. How good God is to welcome us. I just thinking about that this morning. I was quite overwhelmed with the thought of how God has welcomed me. Because it would be, it'd be amazing enough that God would welcome good-hearted, well-behaved people but I'm not always good-hearted and I'm not always well-behaved, but he welcomes me anyway, like that son who'd mucked up terribly. He just... That's the nature of God. It's not like he has to force himself to it. It just, it just oozes out of him. That is the character and nature of God. And if we're going to be his people, we need to reflect that. Our human tendency is to love people who are most like ourselves. That's the easy bit. Uh, but we need to go a bit further than that. But it's good to start with people in our own uh, cir circle and, and in this church, with the way that this welcome, this idea of, of being a welcoming people, where it starts is within this bunch of people. Uh, if we can't get it right here, what, what chance have we got anywhere else? So we start with this. The love of God shapes the church to become a welcoming community gathered around the person of Jesus and living his way. Sam Hargraves has written a poem for use in worship that uh, connects with these themes. It's a kind of a call and response prayer, um, a poem. And uh, I wonder if you will help me to deliver this poem this morning with a call and response. I'll do the call bit and then you, your response is, uh, yet we are one in Christ kind of expressing that unity. So can we have a go at this together? Uh, you, you actually need to really yeah. participate. But because Richard has always <laughs> already set things up so well, I, I think we've got a good chance of this. So, we are many. God's great diversity. Yes. Awesome. You guys are fantastic. That's very good. Different faces, different races. Butchers, bakers, website makers, bankers, tailors, teachers, sailors. Fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, single, 
married, broken, carried. The happy, the clappy, the barely out of nappies. <laughs> the ancient, the modern, the famous, the forgotten. Some hopeful, some hopeless. Some cope well, some cope less. Some sure and some doubt. Some whisper, some shout. Those with abundance, those with need, those who are generous or wrestle with greed. A broken body, torn apart. It mars God's image and breaks God's heart. Yet our Father knows how the end will be when all his kids will sing in harmony. The bride will dazzle, her branches bloom. So add your voice to him the tune that we are one in Christ. Lord, thank you that you have made us one in Jesus. Because we have aligned our lives with his, we are pointing our attention towards him. We have this in common, as different as we may be. Lord, I pray that you would cause unity to flourish in the bond of peace through the power of your Holy Spirit in this place and that this would be, in Pitlochry, a sign of your kingdom. The people would see here in this gathering a little glimpse of what you intend for the age to come. Amen. I'd like to know about your experience of welcome in this place. I'm going to throw this open for a moment. Uh, what I want to know is, when you first came to this place, what was it like? So, who welcomed you? What did they do to express that welcome? And how did you feel about that? Who welcomed you? What did they do? How did you feel about that? Who'd like to start us off? Yeah. Betty, yep. Yep. How'd you feel? That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Someone else. Joe? Yep. Someone just took an interest in you. That's great. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, Larry. Yeah, for me, welcome is a bit of a different concept because I look at it over time. Somebody can stand at the door and give me a big smile, and that's nice. Mm -hmm. Say they do come in, that's great too. But over time, that's when I really feel a welcome. Uh -huh. uh, most of you don't know this, but my family was in a very, very bad way some years back, and the church helped them. Yeah. That they, they, they really did their best to pull them out, make sure they have everything that they, that they needed. I wasn't present because I was living down south at the time, but to me, that's welcome. Yeah. And, you know, it's our first book, Judy and I's first book, there, the blue one, If You Love Me, show Yeah. And that makes you feel great, doesn't it? To have people take an interest like that. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> that that guy, yeah. Very good. Oh, that's that's so good to hear. Because when people experience welcome, uh, I think it does make you a little bit curious, doesn't it? Like, wow, that that's different. That's that's really good. We don't experience that welcome in lots of parts of society. It's because God, who is the welcoming God, is setting up the tone of what his people should be like. We know that we have a welcoming God and he wants us to participate in his kingdom. He's got a part for each of us to play. And the message of Jesus was that the kingdom of God is open and available to all. The gospel... Uh, going to non-Jewish people in that, that first generation, well, that was a really radical thing because it was kind of a Jewish that Jesus was a Jew and that, that was all fine within the Jewish. But to, to leap out of the Jewish um, you know, society into non-Jewish society, that was crossing a big boundary. But the gospel demanded it because God is not just God of one nation, he's God of a whole of creation. And so it says in, in Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Greek. This is in God's eyes. He doesn't see a difference between Jews and Greeks. He doesn't see a difference between slave or free, male and female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And that uh, bit that I read before from uh, Romans 15 finishes, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So do you reckon this value, this covenant value of welcome that you've got, have you got it nailed? Have you arrived? Is it complete? It's pretty good. But what if you were to go for a gold standard, you know? Gold Olympic medal winning welcome. What would that look like if you were to take it from good to really outstanding? What would it take to make this church um, so welcoming that uh, it was a, a joy not only to you but to the whole of Pitlochry and it made the whole of the region. I want to suggest to you uh, three things that when welcome is really working at its best, there'll be three things that you'd be able to say, three things that overcome the big obstacles to welcome. Because I reckon, I've talked for myself, but also what I've observed, the three things that really over, that get in the way of welcome is tiredness, seeing people in categories in a pecking order, and fear. And there's three things that we'd be able to say, if, if it was really gold standard, you know, like gold medal winning welcome, the first thing we'd be able to say is that no one is too much hard work. No one's too much hard work. And that happens when compassion wins over tiredness. I know what it's like to have the intention to welcome, but I go to church and then I see someone walking towards me and I think, oh, him, okay. 
this is going to be hard work. Because it's like every time we have a conversation, it's hard. It's hard work. He's a difficult person. In Galatians uh, chapter 4, Paul talks about what it was like when he first visited the church there. He says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Now think in your mind, illness, all kinds of illness, makes people hard work. When people are ill, when when they're, they're sick in some way, maybe it's physical, maybe it's a mental illness, some people are hard work because they are really having a hard time. And when they approach you, they might want something from you to help them with their hard time. And if you're already tired, you know, that's difficult. So, Paul says, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God. As if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Some of the commentators reckon there's a little bit of a clue there and in some other places that Paul had an ongoing problem with his eyes. That he, was, he would go through times when he couldn't even see properly. And he was a bit of a burden. Made it difficult for other people. But the Galatians treated him not with contempt or scorn. They welcomed him. There's a, a girl in our um, small group we meet on Monday nights. Her name's Beck, Beck Stewart. She's profoundly deaf. She's got a cochlear implant, which works to some extent. She's an excellent lip reader, but um, she, uh, she does struggle quite a lot because people are not very patient with deaf folks. She says she's lost count of the times when uh, she's trying to hear what people say and ask them to repeat, and they'll say, oh, never mind. They just run out of patience. What they're saying is, look, Becky, you're just too much hard work. You know, I'd rather talk to somebody who can hear me. How hurtful that is. I have to say, Beck's an amazing young woman. She's so gracious and forgiving and puts up with this. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. These are all people who are hard work. When people have particular needs and we are tired, sometimes our welcome can be compromised. Realistically, we all have limits, don't we? There are times when you just don't have anything left and you come to church and you're just really hoping that you can receive something rather than give something. I've been there. And I've been at that point where I just want to draw the line. It's got to be about me this time. And then that guy walks up and I know the kind of conversation he wants. 
and I hear Jesus whisper to me, what if that was me? For me, uh, there's an application here to people who, yes, perhaps have a physical disability or a mental illness, people who are emotionally damaged and are just so needy. What is it for you? What are the kind of people that you find really hard work? Because if you're going to lift this welcome thing to a gold standard, it means somehow you need to find, not from your own resources, but from the grace of God working within you, to say, God, help me to love this person, even though I feel like I've got nothing left. Well, help me to welcome them and to be open to them with the grace that you give me. The second thing that we'd be able to say, if we had gold medal winning welcome here, was that everyone matters, especially the least. And that happens when we throw away the pecking order. In Luke 9, um, it says, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. And he said to them, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. In James 2, it says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show, show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, well, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? It is human nature to assess people as greater or lesser, more deserving of honour or less deserving of honour. That's human. The divine perspective is different to that. It does not see people in a pecking order. So age or wealth or intelligence or attractiveness or social rank or achievements, these things are not the basis on which we should choose to welcome or not welcome people. Jesus is calling us to welcome people without reference to rank. So no one's too much hard work and everyone matters, especially the least. But here's the third thing. We should be able to say, Whoop. no one is seen as a threat. And that happens when we can overcome fear. Fear is a big driver. And uh, in, in my business, in, in mentoring, I'll often ask people about these deeper drivers. You know, uh, and one of the questions I like to ask is, so what are you afraid of? I find, particularly with men, they will say, I'm not afraid of anything. Really? We all have fears. Some of us just don't admit them. Coming back to Paul and the Galatians again, in Galatians 2, he says, uh, When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. 
For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. The setup here is uh, Peter, who's Cephas, he's a Jew. He's gone to Antioch, which is outside Jewish territory, and uh, the gospel has come to these people. They're followers of Jesus, but they're not keeping to the Jewish rules, uh, the religious rules. But Peter, at first, goes, well, you know what? The most important thing here is following Jesus, so I'm just going to go with this. But then some people come from Jerusalem who are very keen about keeping the rules, and Peter goes, oh, right, okay, I better, better not uh, eat with the Gentiles because that's not in the rules. I better behave myself. And Paul sees this and he goes, that's hypocritical. When those people come from Jerusalem, when they arrived, Paul says, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The circumcision group are the people who are saying, only men who are circumcised are acceptable to God. And if you're not, that's it. Peter was afraid. He let his fear compromise his welcome. Paul says, the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas, the guy who's a real encourager and he gets on board with people who are down and out, even Barnabas felt, I'm just worried about the criticism here. Where do we today see fear compromising welcome? There's the Barnabas-type stumble where for fear of criticism, we don't welcome some people. We don't welcome them because we will think, what will respectable people think of me if they know that I'm hanging out with them? I can't hang out with them because they're, they're not acceptable people. I need to be with good people. And then there's the fear of difference, not just the fear of criticism, but the fear of difference. An example, different people of different ethnicity, when you can't understand their language, when they have strange customs, or the difference of theology, different theology about what the Holy Spirit or end times or Israel or the role of women or evolution or whatever you like, you know, oh, those people have got a different theology to me, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of that. And so we pull back and we don't welcome people who think differently to us. And then there's the kind of fear of what a person might do. What damage might this person do? What impact could they have on my life or on this church? You think, you're a dangerous person. You could do damage here. I'm going to welcome you because you are dangerous. You're a negative person. What do you think? Are some Scots, like some Australians, so afraid of terrorists and Muslims and people from violent places that they've closed down their welcome to refugees? Does that happen here? Because, well, I'm glad you're shaking your head because, unfortunately, I see that happen in Australia. There's even some Christians who are quite worried about what might happen to our society if we have this influx of people from other places. How do we know that this person seems to be running away from violence, but they might be a perpetrator of the violence? How do we know? Now, this point of 
known and seen as a threat. There's an obvious point of connection here um, that I felt with, all, <laughs> with integrity I can't pussyfoot around. Welcoming people who are different to us, who are threatening to us, the point of connection is between welcome in the name of Christ and the current hot issues of same-sex attraction and transgenderism. Some of you are going, oh, he's going to talk about that. <laughs> well, kind of. I do not say that you should think differently about your theology. Let me be clear about that. But I do urge you to think deeply about how you treat people. Lean into your empathy. Listen more. Could we move from fear to friendship by spending time with and coming to understand people who are different from us and who make us feel nervous? And the second thing I want to say is that we need to distinguish clearly between acceptance and approval. Welcome necessarily involves acceptance, but it does not always mean approval. And some people want to conflate the two, acceptance and approval, but it's not so. Acceptance is about my commitment to love, to love others as I have been loved by God, which is pretty awesome. I must be committed to that. Approval is about my commitment to truth. Truth as I understand God's word and his call to live right. And I must be committed to truth. Both love and truth. I cannot compromise on either of those things. And some people will say to me, Rick, if you're going to love me, you must approve of my choices and my lifestyle, and if you don't approve, then you don't love me and you've rejected me. To which I would say, you don't get to tell me what's in my heart. I understand that you feel rejected when I don't approve of your choices and your lifestyle, and I am sad about that. I do accept you and I do welcome relationship with you even though we think differently about what is true and right. Please, let's not rob each other of our convictions. Can we stay connected and let's see what happens. In conclusion, I, I want to just affirm where we started with this, that God welcomes people without reservation. And so can you, by his grace. You can come to that place where no one is too much hard work because with the patience and the uh, resources that he gives in your heart, you can welcome people who need a lot. And you can, by his grace, welcome without there being a pecking order. You can put aside those categories of who's deserving and who's not. And by his grace, you can overcome fear, the fear of criticism, the fear of difference, even the fear of what people might do and the damage. Do you know God's welcome of you? A lot of us do. Do you know that he has included you in his family? Even you. And if you do, then pass on that welcome.
be inclusive of others in turn. But perhaps God's welcome is something that you've heard about, but you've never responded to. You know, um, God's welcome was there for that son who'd gone off into the far country and wasted his father's wealth. The welcome was there in his father's heart, probably even before he left home. It was always there, but he only experienced that welcome when he came and turned and came home. The welcome of God is there for you, but you'll only experience it when you come to him. Have you ever experienced that? The doors open wide. The invitation to come to God is genuine and sincere. Come, let God embrace you if you've never known that embrace. He really wants to welcome you and include you in his family. And this church will do their best to welcome and include you too, I am sure. Can we pray together? And Richard, would you come? Oh, Lord God, thank you so much for your welcome of us. You are such a a gracious and forgiving and kind and faithful God. It's so good to be able to rely on that and come to you knowing that you and there's no way you're going to reject us. But Lord, we also know that you are righteous and you are just. You are a holy God. Lord, I'm not righteous. I'm not just. I'm not holy. None of us here are. Lord, as we come to you to receive that welcome, would you also please purify us Cleanse us from the things that um, are not the way that you would want them to be. Lord, today, let this be a time where we can come close to you and know that wonderful welcome. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.